The next few weeks, we're going to be continuing where we've been going through Ephesians this week into the next four weeks. We're going to be doing a series called Better Together. We believe a life is better together. Listen, we are not meant to spend this life by ourselves. If you read the book of Genesis, the very second chapter says, it's not good for man to be alone. We believe that life is better together. Here's where we are going the next few weeks. This week, tonight, I am talking all about your all's relationships with each other, your friendships. Next week, we're going to spend talking about your all's relationship with Jesus. The third week, we're going to spend time talking about relationship goals, the relationships that you have with your significant other, your boyfriends and girlfriends that you're not supposed to have yet, but we're going to talk about that. The week after that, we will have a guest speaker, and he'll be speaking about our relationship with our parents. Welcome, parents, everybody. You guys are here tonight. Welcome. And then the last week, which will be December 1st, we are going to have another panel that night. You guys will get to submit relationship questions that you have, specifically when it comes to singleness, dating, marriage, whatever that comes to. And we'll have a variety of people up here from different walks of life, different stages of life. Somebody might be up here who is single. Somebody might be up here who's been married for 57 years. We will see. But you will not want to miss that. It's going to be a great night. Here's where we are going tonight, though. We're going to spend time specifically on your friendships. Here's my question. How would you all describe right now the friendships that you have? Just rhetorical statement. How would you... Oh, okay, you just, just jump right out there. Really good. Well done. How would you all describe the friendships and relationships that you have right now? Again, I'm not looking for an answer. Just think about this. What's... No, just, I'm just, this is just, for, this is just for, your, for your own mind. Just, just for you. How would you describe the friendships that you have? Here's a second question. And if you look at your paper, there's a lot of typos on this. I'm just going to throw that out there. It was really quick typing it up. Second question. What is it that unites those friendships? What unites you and your friends? What is it that unites you guys? Here's where I want to just kind of touch on. I'm going to share a few stories about my personal friendships. Because all of us want to be in community. We want to have friends. We want to be loved by somebody. We want to have that friendship, that companionship. Because we know, again, we were not meant to be alone. So we desire that. We crave it. But here's the problem that we have. Most of us spend our entire life focusing on the friendships and the relationships that are always going to last for a season. Because what unites us most of the time is temporary things. Geography, school, sports, clubs, classrooms. Those are the things that typically unite us now. Let me give you some examples. My friend Josh. He was my roommate in college. We grew up together. He, he came to my, my dad's church where I grew up. We, we grew up. We went all throughout middle school and high school together. We thought it was perfect to be roommates at college. Not really. I found out yesterday, or excuse me, Thursday, Josh just got married. I didn't know. My mom told me because my mom ran to his mom. I have not spoken to Josh since my sophomore year of college, after I spent an entire year living with him. My friendship with Josh was just based off of the, the relationship that we both went to PHS, that we went to the same church, and then we got to college, but it just made sense. But when you go to Marshall, coming from PHS, when only 13 kids from your school go to Marshall, yeah, they all went to WVU, heathens. But uh, 
Go Bucks. We, but our relationship, our friendship was based off of temporary things. Let me fast forward to another example. When I was working for Habitat for Humanity, I drove the Habitat truck around. I had a friend named Jared. Jared was really cool. He and I were both pastor's kids. So we had a lot to you know, kind of unite us on that same. We had a lot of things in common just being pastor's kids. And then we worked together for two and a half years. He got, he got fired, sadly, and then I moved on. Honestly, I don't know where Jared is today. I don't really get to interact with him that much. My season of life has changed. His season of life has changed. Our friendship really, if I really think about it, was based off the fact that we worked together and we spent eight hours a day in a truck together. And we talked about a lot of stuff, but in all reality, we didn't have a lot of things in common. Let me fast forward. Let's go backwards, actually. Not fast forward. Let's go backwards. But my, also my high school days, you know, if you guys think about sports, you remember I was a soccer player. My best friend from junior high into high school was one of my soccer teammates. Good friends. I would spend the night at his house. He can spend the night. We'd go to soccer camps together. We went to several soccer camps together. He graduated. I graduated. He came to visit one time when I was at Marshall. It was the most awkward weekend of my entire time at Marshall. It was so awkward. It was actually painful because I actually realized that he and I, as much as we loved being soccer teammates, we really weren't friends at all. We had nothing to talk about. We had nothing to do. Like All we did was seriously talk about the good old days of soccer, which, I mean, life's good, life moves on. Those are three friends that were all based off of temporary things. Let me fast forward to now. I'm going to talk about my real close friends. My first friend that I want to talk about is Drew. If you went on Fall Retreat the first year I was here, the big red, goofy head, you know, red-headed, goofy guy, that was Drew. Drew and I became friends. If you remember the story, if you were there that weekend, or just real quick, I almost killed him, and that's how we became friends. I took him hiking with a couple of us guys, and he literally almost fell 60 feet to his death because of something I did. And I didn't want to watch. So I just turned my eyes as he almost died. To, as he almost died. Um, but after that, our friendship was forged over time. We spent a lot of time together. We spent a lot of life together. We would share deep parts of our soul with one another. We, we shared struggles. He was my accountability partner, he was, and I was his. We, we shared the things that we struggled with, the things that we were dealing with in our life. He was one of the first people that Katie and I told that we were pregnant. He was in my wedding he is currently in the country of Lebanon right now, and I got to talk with him the other day. He's Dave's family, Dave's, Dave's roots. Uh, I got word the other day that Lebanon is in the middle of a giant nationwide protest, and I immediately just got crushed because I thought, how's Drew? And I texted him, and he's, I said, oh, I'm good. Did you change your Netflix password, by the way? He's <laughs> like, part of my support of his ministry is I give him my Netflix password. I'll edit that part out of the audio so the government doesn't come find me. Um, but Drew and I have that special relationship that's built upon our relationship with Christ first. That's something that's eternal. That's not something temporary. Another example. Uh, last fall or last spring, three guys, two, one, only one of them is here, uh, but you all know all three of them. Joe Lizer, C.W. Durham. Where is C.W.? Oh, a good friend would have known that. And Tony Postawait. Those three guys went on the Emmaus, or those three guys and myself were all part of the Emmaus walk back in the spring. And that weekend, 
we were all close in our own right. So that we can forge this four-person relationship that has been special ever since then. We have an amazing text thread that's constantly going. A group text. It's one of the few group texts I like being in. Uh, I get these text messages from each other, and it's usually always encouragement. Spending time, you know, when, whenever, I get up to, whenever I get up to teach or preach, they will send me questions like, hey, good job, but what have you been learning? That's something I, I love hearing. I want, I want to know, I want other people to know that I'm getting challenged too when I read these things. And these people, those three guys, are the ones also, some of the very first people to, to tell that we were pregnant. They were the ones, some of the first people who got the text that our child was born. They were the, some of the first ones that got the pictures. Uh, not to I solo him out, but he's not here. But Tony, I'll never forget this. There was a time during our pregnancy, Katie's pregnancy, where all of a sudden we didn't feel any movement for about 48 hours. And it scared the crap out of us. And so Katie comes from her school up in St. Mary's and comes to our church, and I, I run into the emergency room. While I'm sitting in the emergency room, my phone is going crazy because I had sent a message out to those three guys just to say, I need you guys to pray for this. And in that, a separate text message just came through. I didn't know you could do this. I'm learning something new with iPhones every day. An audio message came through of a five-minute long prayer from Tony, praying over my daughter, praying over her future spouse, praying over her life. I'm, I'm, I'm just sobbing uncontrollably in the hospital. But that's what it's not about the fact that I'm a parent that unites. It's not the fact that we go to the same church. Our friendship is built first and primarily on something that's eternal, and that's our relationship with Christ. We can encourage one another. We can spur one another on to growth. We want to see each other become all that they can be. Let me ask you this question again. How would you describe the friendships that you have? Are they based off of temporary things or eternal things? Are they based off of things that, you know, when you graduate here in a couple of years or next year, you may not be friends anymore? Or is it based off of something eternal like your Savior, Jesus Christ? Here's the problem that I see happening so often. We fail to recognize that we're not supposed to do this by ourselves, and we want to do it with all of our might. We try to do everything by ourselves. We try to do life on our own. We try to make it through life. We try to isolate ourselves and think, you know what? Friends will just slow me down. People will just get in my way. I can do this. I can be the best there is. And then something happens in your life and you have no one to turn to. You cannot do this on your own. The Christian life is not meant to be, not to be experienced alone. This life that Jesus has called you to live, this life that Jesus has saved you for, is, be, is meant to be saved and to be spent in community. Why? In every, in every friend that I have, that I say my relationship with that person is built on the foundation of Jesus, I know and trust that those people will hold me accountable. So, for instance, Joe Lizer, he and I have conversations that sometimes get us in trouble with how long they go. Let's just be honest. But sometimes those conversations... We spend time sharing about what are we currently struggling with. Or, not even that, it's, Joe, you're doing something stupid and you don't even know it. And we get really harsh with each other sometimes. Usually it follows up the, the next day with an apologetic text, but also a text that is like, yeah, you were kind of right. One of those kind of things. 
I know and trust that they will hold me accountable. I can't say the same thing about most of those guys I experienced life with throughout high school or through college. I can't say that about those people. But our community, we long to be in community. We need to be in a, a community that holds us accountable. And it requires us all to see our friendships as a blessing. Your friendships that you guys have now are a blessing. We want friendships, but what I want you to challenge and what I want to challenge you all to do is look at every friendship that you have now. What is that friendship built on? What foundation is that built on? We're going to spend time reading Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to go ahead and do that. Specifically the first six verses, but we're going to read verses 1 through 17. It's in page 918 if you're using the Bibles on the table. It says, I therefore, this is Paul, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, he's writing from prison, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to, them, to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who has also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed and fro by the waves and carried out about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or craftiness, deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with it, which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, that it, that it builds itself up in love. In verse 17, we'll end there. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Main thing I want you to hear, main thing, if you, meaning right now, if you believe in Jesus, if you say you are Christian, if you are in Christ, if we are one with Christ, we should be one with each other. Flat blanket statement. If you are one with Christ, if you are one with Jesus, if you say Jesus has saved my life and I am now a Christian, I follow him, you should be one with him and therefore you will become one with one another meaning one another as Christians. If you go back into John 17, one of my favorite sections in the Gospels, right before Jesus gets arrested, he spends time praying for his followers. He prays for himself, and then he prays for those who will come to know him. And one of the things he prays for is unity amongst believers. Unity. We've spent a lot of time the last few weeks, and even the, last, the first several months of this year, spending time on unity. Why? Because in all reality, the number one place where unity should always exist is right here in the church. But sadly, so often, this is the number one place where unity does not exist. 
We've talked about this over and over again. You come in here from Wood County Christian, Williamstown, Marietta, Parkersburg, Parkersburg South, Fort Fry, Frontier. I can't even name all of them, but did you know there's 11 high schools within 25 miles of this church? 13,000 students. It's a lot of schools. That's a lot of diversity just amongst schools. And you walk into this place and you want to belong, but yet so often you're rejected just because you go to a different school. And we are trying desperately. We've, we've preset it. We've been teaching it. We've been leading the way with our leaders and our student leaders to shut that down. We don't want to see any of that. That this place should always be a place of unity. Why? Because it says here that Jesus has brought together the body. He's brought together different parts. There are different aspects of the body of Christ. He's brought together. Some are the arms, some are the legs, some are the head, some are the feet. He's brought it all together, and he's holding it all together. And later, in other parts of Scripture, he talks specifically about how sometimes Christians will say, you know what, I don't need that part, though. I don't need that foot. I don't need that, that hand. But yet the body does not function without those things, and that's what we believe here. But if you are one with Jesus, if you tonight... If you say, I am a Christian, then you are one with Christ and therefore should be one with one another. But what does this exactly look like? It says here, verse 1, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called. I love that verse. What does that mean? What does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which we've been called? And it gives out two examples, and we'll break this down. The first one, the first thing that you have to do, if you believe Jesus and what he says is true, to walk a life that is worthy, you will walk in unity. You will always walk in unity. Why? Because in unity, there comes character. Character brings unity. Look at the, let's list off all the examples it says in chapter, verse 2. Name off the different attributes and characteristics in verse 2. Just throw them out there. Which ones do you see? Humility. Keep going. Gentleness. Patience. That's the last one. Love. If you are a believer in Christ, these are the characteristics that should be true of you. If they look at your life, I'm talking about before your friendships, I'm talking about just you individually. It says, walk in a manner worthy, and you walk in humility, and the character that comes while you walk in humility is Humility. What is humility? It's thinking others more highly than yourself. Not being proud, not being boastful, thinking that you're the greatest thing that God's ever put on this earth. But considering how you can help one another, make another one better. He says then, with gentleness, just that sweet spirit of one that's so charitable and loving and peaceful and patient. I have said this multiple times. It is hard for me to look at the word patience. Because when I look at the word patience, I had a roommate that one time, one time came home after having a bad day. I said, oh, I was praying for you to have patience earlier. He goes, why in the world would you ever do that? I said, what? He goes, because you prayed for patience, I had to go through all the crap I went through that day. I'm like, I'm sorry. But just think about somebody you've been around who just has that patience. You're willing to bear with one another. You're willing to go through a long trial with somebody. And all that, that humility, that gentleness, that patience, 
will lead you to bear with one another in love. That word love, we remember the Greek word for love had a lot of different ways of interpreting this. This one specifically is the word agape, which means that godly love. So that means right there that we are supposed to, with our, with our humility, with our patience, and with these characteristics there, we're supposed to bear with one another in agape love. What does that mean? It means that in my friendship circle now, the, the relationships that I have, I am willing to die for that person. If I'm talking about an agape love, that means I'm willing to sacrifice myself so that person, that friend, can be who they are in Christ. That's what it means to bear with one another in love. He goes on to talk about just the origin of Christian unity. Where does it come from? Why are we supposed to be one with one another? He goes on to say in verse 4, there is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who's over all, through all, and in all. We are one with one another because there is just one. There's one God, one Savior, one Lord. It's where our unity comes from. And the charge for all of us, the reason why we're supposed to do this, verse 3, that we should be eager to maintain the unity. I love that word, eager. What that means is it puts a sense of urgency. I want to maintain unity. Here's what I've come to find out about Christians. I, I, I was privileged to be able to speak at men's retreat this morning and, and just talk about the things that I have gone through in my life when it comes to negative influences from the church, negative hurts that I've dealt with. And so often, here's my, here's my view. Right now as Christians, we realize that eternity is before us and we're going to spend eternity with each other. So we might as well get all of our jabs, all of our gossip, and all of our insults out right now while we can. That, that, according to what I can perceive and observe, that's what I see. But just here it says, eager to maintain the unity. What does that mean? It means striving for peace amongst one another, striving to break down walls, striving to break down the things that divide us, that we desire to see unity. How often would you say your relationships are relationships that strive for unity, that strive for peace, that strive for patience, that strive for love? Is your friendship is your relationship that you have with the person sitting next to you, is that based off of agape love or a love that only allows you to get something out of it? What is the love based off in your friendships? That's the first thing. It says we are to walk worthy as we walk in unity. And then the next week, I'm going to set up where we're going next week. Verse 17, it says that we are to walk in purity. If we believe in Christ, if we believe what he says, we walk in unity. And second, we will walk in purity. Purity. Next week, all we're going to talk about is our relationship with Christ and all the things that every single one of us do that prevents us from living the full life that Jesus has for us. He's going to talk about specific areas of sin, specific things that hinder that relationship. But then, listen, the relationship that you have with Jesus is the foundation. Let me make sure that's clear. And if the relationship that you have with Jesus is fractured, if it is broken, if it is filled with sin... It will tarnish and it will destroy the relationship that you have with one another. It's true. It's so true. We walk in unity. We walk in purity. What relationships do you have 
And how would you describe them? Honestly, flip your paper over for a second. I want you to write down the first name that pops into your mind when I say, who is your best friend? Write it down. Who is your best friend? Just write it on that paper. As you write that down, it's just between you and the pen. You no one else is looking. Honestly, ask ask yourself this question. What unites me with that person? Why do I have this friendship with that person? What is it that is good about that friendship? Here's another way of asking that question. As I talked about my friendships earlier, is that relationship that you have Is it based off of something that's eternal in Jesus? There's a lot of coughing going on in here. Is this like RSV season, right? I'm glad Sadie's not here tonight. Just saying. Y'all are good. That relationship that you have, is it based off something that's eternal in Jesus? Is that what unites you with that friend? Or... Is it only based off of something that's temporary, that's only going to last for a season? In a moment, you guys are going to go to small groups, in your life groups, and you guys are going to spend time talking about your friendships. They're in, the question's are on the bottom of your paper. Let me just run through them real quick. You need to honestly evaluate your friendships. I'm not telling you you guys need to like give up your friends and move on to someone else, but I think you need to constantly evaluate, is this friendship healthy? Is this friendship one that restores me and builds me up? Or is this one that's constantly tearing me down, constantly, constantly leading me down a direction I don't want to go? Are there friendships you need to reevaluate? What characteristics do you see in your life that would give you a better relationship? And the last question, how can you strive more, to be a more godly friend this week? Let me pray, and then we're going to sing one more song, and then we'll close before you go to small groups.